Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Thursday, August 24th. It is five minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. He's on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. And my name is Casey Daniels. I'm there at Casey Daniels 317. I have a question for what? you. What? Okay, so we're going to get back into Trump, the mm-hmm. debate, yep. all the stuff. Yeah. Did anything you saw last night, either from Trump or on the debate stage, mm. did it in any way sway you in any direction? Oh, No. And I tweeted that out last <laughs> night about three quarters of the way through or midway through the thing or whatever it was. Yeah. And I would say the majority of people yeah. are in the camp you are in, which is totally predictable because the RNC has bungled this thing so badly that when you don't have the ability to contrast yourself with the person you're chasing, like it's one thing if, hey, everybody starts from a neutral position and boy, we can see who we like the best. But there's a guy who's already three quarters of the way through the race Mm -hmm. and he's not even participating. So you can't contrast yourself to him. And then there's so many of these ding dongs up on the debate stage that they can't even really hardly contrast themselves with each other. It's like the most Trump friendly thing that could have possibly happened. Who were you most impressed with last night Uh, on the debate stage? uh, don't say yourself. <laughs> uh, look, I, look, none. I mean, there wasn't. There's nothing I heard though that that that's gonna wow me or change me or whatever. Like none of them have any. None of them have any big ideas that I say. Wow, that's transformational. That might actually help America get its footing back on track. You had. There is such a. I use the term pathological liar on the show all the time, but you saw it on full display last night. You've got Tim Scott on stage lamenting federal spending. And then when he gets asked about, hey, Palski, mm-hmm. how about that $8 trillion you voted to approve printing? Well, that was COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no proof that any of that money that you guys printed did anything other than, well, we had a story, we're not going to get to it today, that there's like another billion dollars of fraud that's being pursued by prosecutors related to, to abuse of COVID money. 836 yes. million to be and exact. And we've done tons of stories about this. There's no proof that any of that, but yet when it's something that he approved of, well, that was just a, bah. and you got Mike Pence, who there was never a bloated deficit laden budget under George W. Bush funding the ill-begotten war, sending other people's kids to go fight and die that he didn't approve of, and yet he stands up there acting like he's some sort of the B- Budget Balance Control Act. How how much cringe was it when Mike Pence was talking about his successes in Indiana yeah. as governor? You know, he conveniently left off, and I know we don't have time to get into story hour, but I'll just throw this one out there as a little <laughs> maybe we'll call it a palate cleanser, Casey, yeah. uh, because people in Pence land listen, so uh, we'll be getting into this one hopefully sometime here in the near future. Uh, when he was talking about his time in Indiana, you know, he conveniently left off how when he was governor, he appointed someone to be state auditor, totally didn't vet the person. State party, the guy he had appointed to be the state party chair, totally didn't vet the person. They then didn't like the guy after they found out some stuff after they appointed him and then bullied him into resigning, strong armed him into resigning in the state house. And then after he resigned, Mike Pence went out and looked at the entire state in the eye in the meeting and goes, I have no idea why he resigned. You'd have to ask him. 
That's who Mike Pence is. The dude is a pathological liar. 2% Pence, he seemed very frustrated last night, and it was palatable. Uh, but By the way, soon, soon, Casey, we are going to tell that whole story of exactly what happened with what I just described to you in a whole lot of detail. And I dare Mike Pence or anybody associated with him to challenge me on anything that I will tell our audience about what happened. I also felt like Chris Christie was full of vengeance and grievances and spite. That's the way he came across. It was about an hour into the debate when they started talking about Donald Trump. And what did Brett Baer say? Let's talk about the elephant that's not in the room, which kind of got some booze. But it was Vivek who said that he believes Trump was the best president of the 21st century. You raise your hand supporting. No, I'd like to get in and respond. Let's just speak the truth, okay? President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie, honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. And if people at home want to see a bunch of people blindly bashing Donald Trump without an iota of vision for this country. They could just change the channel to MSNBC right now. But I'm not running for president of MSNBC. I am running for president of the United States. We're skating on thin ice and we cannot set a precedent where the party in power uses police force to indict its political opponents. It is wrong. We have to end the weaponization of justice in this country. Okay, so Vivek talked for 11 minutes and 38 seconds during the second behind Mike Pence, but he brings it back to Trump, and so that's what we're going to do. I want to go back to Trump and his interview with Tucker, because throughout the majority of the debate last night, there was only a small fraction of the time that they were actually talking about beating the Democrats. Yeah. And that's the goal, gang, is beating their competition, which at this point, as far as we know, is still Joe Biden. Uh, but here's Donald Trump doing that, and he takes quite a few shots at Joe Biden. Biden, every time you watch him talking, it's like he's walking on eggs. You're waiting for him to collapse, and he almost always does. Did you see yesterday Joe Biden was out? He said he was working out. He just got done from a Pilates and spin class on his high high end vacation that he's on. So this is crazy. We actually had the audio in the in the uh, in the template. Kev, uh, number nine, number nine. If you could cue that up for us. So, and I didn't know we were going to be able to get to it today because all the debate stuff. But this was a very high profile thing. So remember, this was what a month, month and a half ago. Uh, basically, uh, these Russian mercenaries. Mm-hmm attempted to stage a coup or what was believed to be a coup on the Russian government. They marched very close to Moscow and then ultimately, for some reason, pulled back. And the guy who was in charge cut supposedly some sort of deal with Putin that would allow him to live in exile somewhere else. And we were laughing at the time. He said, there ain't no way that guy is getting getting out of here alive. Right. I don't care what deal he cuts. And that guy conveniently died in a plane crash yesterday and of course, now obviously it is Putin. I don't think it takes very much to put two and two together. And you're right, Biden is seen stumbling out 
out of wherever he was. I guess he was at that gym or whatever he was doing. Yeah, he said he was taking a Pilates class and or a acts, spin class. acts totally confused and that he has no idea and says, I don't know, I was working out. Here's the audio. I don't know for a fact what happened, but I'm not surprised. Do you think, do you, do you believe? There's not much that happens when the brush is not behind, but I don't know enough to know the answer. I've been working out for the last hour and a half. So let's, okay, so I don't know enough to know the answer because I've been working out. Okay, let's just extrapolate that because let's say there was a nuclear warhead that was activated. Mr. President, there's been a nuclear warhead activated. Would you like to comment on what the U.S. is doing? I don't know. I was working out. I don't know. I was working out. And you notice there's no footage of him working out. <laughs> like, sure you were. And, and by the way, the, the Pilates class or whatever he was doing, I mean, he, he exited the building probably drinking a $10, $15 smoothie or juice, whatever it was, uh, while you're paying an extra $709 a month for the same goods and services that you got two years ago, your president is on his second vacation in a row, and he's paying for probably a $75 Pilates class. Okay, Casey, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and your vote is your own personal business. I but love it when you I'm do just going to do this. Don't ask me who I'm voting for. No, I'm asking you right now. Like, who would you, if you had a gun to your head today, right now, who would you vote for in the Republican primary? You first. Well, I've already said it doesn't matter to me because they're not going to get anything accomplished. Trump will be best for this show. Trump will be the most fun. Trump will, while I don't think he can probably win or it will be harder for him to win, he will do further to pull the mask back on what's going on in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I would go with Trump today. If I had to vote today. Yeah, absolutely. Today, right now. And I think there's plenty of time for things absolutely, to change. Absolutely. Because you know, I'm still looking at DeSantis. Yep. I'm still looking at uh, Ramaswamy yep. and Haley. Yeah, as a they, little. As, a they little. Say, as they say in pro wrestling, card subject to change. Mm-hmm. We're not holding you to this. Yeah, for- if it were today, it would be Trump. Yeah. For that reason, or is there something else? No, it's for that reason, because after seeing everybody on the stage last night, and then, uh, see, I did it in reverse, because you had this high-energy debate, right? Yeah. And Vivek came out fighting, and he was ready to go. I thought he did a really, he had a really good performance. And I think DeSantis did what he needed to do. He didn't, he didn't go far in one direction or the other. He looked composed. There were moments he took control. I think he also faltered a few times. So what's up with the smiling? He has a very weird smile when so he's. I think I think he did he did an okay job. Yeah. Um, he didn't turn me off too bad, but he also didn't turn me on too much either. He was like <laughs> he was just right in the middle. I thought Nikki Haley had a moment, especially when they were talking about the abort, abortion issue. Uh, but I also thought she had a couple bad moments. Yeah. when she was attacking Vivek. Um, she did. So, she did quote Margaret Thatcher. She, she gets a did, bonus. Yeah. Yes, for that. yes, yes, she did do that. So I thought those those were the three that I was really paying attention to. The rest could have not been there, and that would have been fine. But then, after going from that high energy debate, and then watching Donald Trump afterwards, it was a much different feeling. It was more intimate, and it was more detailed. You had the time with him, and you could really hear his answers and what he was thinking. I mean, they did spend a lot of time in the past, and I wish Tucker would have asked him some more pointed questions about his plans. We started off the show him saying that his number one goal would be the border. Yeah, uh, I think I would have liked to get a little bit more some more answers on the future. Quit. Let's stop looking at the past. Alright, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, there is now all, 
Casey, we always say on this show, do not doubt us. And we tell you all the time about how the system of elections in the state is totally rigged in favor of the preferred people that the parties want. They hate you. They don't want anybody challenging their status quo. And now there is all sorts of drama unfolding in this U.S. Senate race because someone is trying to run against Jim Banks Mm -hmm. and Hupfer and the rest of the goon squad are sending out their Oompa Loompas to keep this guy from running because they like Jimmy Banks now that he's a establishment butt sniffer and ring kisser. And so they are trying to keep a guy off the ballot who would like to give you a choice on who to vote for in the U.S. Senate primary. An egg farmer has entered the race and we'll get into it coming up with Abdul. Abdul, yes. It's 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Will the glow from the balls in a thousand stars like the cold Ohio night? And the turn packs. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. Rob Casey's here. And oh, look who it is. He's an author. He's a broadcaster. He's an attorney at law. He's a provocateur. He's one of the greatest human beings walking the face of the earth today. The one and only Abdul Keep Shabazz. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Doing good. Everything is good. Life right. is good. The dogs are good. Life is good. Blood pressure is great. Let's start with, <laughs> boy, just a, just a litany of wonderful for you. And that's the way it normally goes. Let's start with the big news that came out of the Republican Party. Uh, last week. We talked about this with Jim Merritt earlier. Kyle Hupfer out as the state party chair. You are the man with all the behind the scenes dirt and info. Why is he leaving now? Where is he going? Well, first of all, it's out with an asterisk mark Ah. next to it. Because uh, he did announce he's going to step down as as a state chairperson, but didn't put in a date yet. Because once you put in a date, then that automatically, then it's like a 14-day window that the state central committee has to elect a new new chairperson. So once he puts that date in, then it'll be official. Official. Now the governor has come out and endorsed Anne Hathaway, uh, who's on the seventh, who's uh, vice chair of the seventh, who's, who's a Republican national committee woman uh, on the seventh district, which is here in Indianapolis in Marion County. The the question is. Is will the delegate will the will the will the rest of the members of the committee get on board with that? I think they will because the governor gets who the governor wants. There's some talk about uh, my good friend Mario Maslami, who's Hamilton County chairman, you know, possibly get in the race. Uh, uh, Mario decided to, to to not get in for for right now, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what exactly happens. Now there have been some real stooges picked a state party chair over the years. Holcomb, one of them. Tim Barry in there as well. Uh, so, but normally whoever the governor picks, that's who they go with. Now the landscape politically has changed in the state of Indiana. You know the conservatives. Obviously, we have seen in recent elections a lot of hundreds of thousands of people walking away in in 2020 to vote for Rainwater. But does that translate into a this you know where there's this central committee that picks? It's whatever it is, 22 people or whatever, and they're ultimate party insider people. So has anything really changed? While the the landscape of the party may have changed from the terms of the voter standpoint, has anything really changed in the operational standpoint? And will this just be a rubber stamp? Whatever Holcomb wants, we give it to him. I don't think it's. I don't think it necessarily would be a rubber stamp. I think I think the Republican Party today is is much more ideologically conservative than it was uh, 20 years ago and change. With that said, however, uh, if you go back to when Mike Pence uh, got the not pick for vice president, and it was uh, Eric Holcomb, uh, Susan Brooks, and Todd Rakita, Holcomb won overwhelmingly. Uh, Suzanne uh, Susan Crowds, uh, 
Susan Brooks came in second and uh, Rakita third. So it, it's not necessarily who the governor who the governor it, it is who the governor wants and it isn't. But but at the same time, I think at the end of the day, governor will get his or her. Pick. Do you think that's why Hufford hasn't given a date so that they can shore up support for his pick, Hathaway? I would, that wouldn't surprise me. And also, uh, the word of the street is also that uh, Hufford may go work for the Brad Chambers campaign. Where, sure. where, uh, where, where did we first hear that reported, Casey? Cheat sheet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to steal my thunder. Uh, Abdul's our guest. Okay, let's talk about something you reported last night. Our old pal, uh, we've had quite a little uh, week or so with her. Uh, on-demand abortion advocate Destiny Wells, apparently, you say, pondering getting back in the political game, losing uh, resoundingly to the worst person to ever seek statewide public office in our 207 year history taught her nothing she's considering getting back into politics uh i i, I would agree with that statement for the most part not necessarily how, how you characterize it but but yes uh when when i saw that uh, destiny was getting a lot more active on twitter lately i was like huh you see it's it's august elections next year my spider sense tells me there's something going on so i reached out to some people folks who knew her very very, very well like hey i Word in the street is that Destiny's thinking about running for office again. Like, yo, she's considering running for attorney general. Like, that's what I kind of figured. So I just kind of wrote about it, and I reached out to Destiny. She said she's considering it. So, so that's where we are in the, in that universe. I think what what the issue for her will be is I think she can do you know well in Marion County because she did in sector said like thirty four points over Diego Morales. The trick is once again Indiana's a Republican state, so you're already swimming uphill in that perspective. But also number two, you got to be able to get your message out to non-traditional democrat places it's those it's those suburban republican women it's those suburban women in, in allen county and in, in lake county and in evansville and the whole and uh, down in the clarksville uh, clark county area that's what that's what that's you got to appeal to to win now this is not to say that democrats can't win in indiana because they have Barack obama won joe donnelly won glenda ritz won but it's got you got to have the right set of circumstances to make that happen if you can't beat diego and not only can you not beat diego you lost by 14 points to Diego. What's the case when you're not knocking on people's doors asking for money? I, I've learned valuable lessons. I mean, what is the? I mean, we, you and I both loathe Rokita, but he's a markedly better in terms of politician, whatever, than Diego Morales will ever dream of being. If you couldn't beat Diego, what's the case you're going to beat Rokita? Well, once again, Indiana is a Republican state, and so that's the hill. Uh, Destiny Scott Wells or anybody running as a Democrat these days is going to have to climb. But I think it's going to be interesting uh, with with the national climate uh, as it is right now. And after watching the debate, the, the children's petulant romp room last night, it's going to be an interesting primary to see who the, who the nominee is going to be uh, for all these offices come next year. Do you think Rokita has his sights set on something else? Well, a while he was thinking about running for governor. And then he realized he'd get his ass kicked. <laughs> and so he said, so So the word of the street was like, well, I enjoy being, the job of attorney general is so important that I must stay attorney general to protect Hoosiers and I can't run for governor. Get the blank out of here for that crap. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Abdul's with us, a couple minutes left. Okay, so there's some big drama brewing in the Republican Party. There's a guy named John Rust who wants to run for U.S. Senate against Jim Banks in the primary, but the Republican Party is putting their thumb on the scale, it appears, to keep him or try to keep him from running what's going on 
uh, uh, John Russ is uh, an egg, uh, egg farmer uh, down in southern Indiana. Jack's kind of misspoke earlier uh, when we did State House Happenings. I was from northeast Indiana. He was actually from southern Indiana uh, and from Jackson County. And to, to run as a, to run a Republican or Democratic primary, you got to do one of two things. Either A, have voted twice in a Republican or Democratic primary, or B, get a letter from your county chairperson. And the county chair of Jackson and uh, Mr. Russ has not voted in two consecutive Republican primary, so he had to go get a letter from his county chairperson, which would be the chairperson of Jackson County, which I believe where he lives, and she has made it perfectly clear that ain't going to happen. So the, basically what you're saying, and we simplified this uh, on the State House Happenings podcast, we have a rule in the Republican Party. And the Democratic Party, too. Uh, however... If we like you, we will waive the rule because the rule doesn't matter. But if we don't like you, we will most certainly enforce the rule because, well, it's a big club and you ain't in it. Or if you write a big enough campaign check to a Lincoln Day dinner, you can get on the ballot, too. How is that law constitute? I mean, has anybody ever challenged this in court to say, wait a second, you're basically, I mean, you're not impeding on my ability to run for public office, but you are in a sense because the signature requirement to run as an independent is almost impossible. And the signature requirement as an independent is different than that if you're running in a Republican or Democrat primary. How is somebody not challenging this law? Because it seems like it's a giant pile of crap. I would think about it. If you're going to do a legal challenge, the legal challenge you could you could possibly do, and this is possibly, I haven't really thought this all the way through yet, is because primaries are taxpayer-funded, and that's the difference between a taxpayer-funded primary and a convention, because taxpayer primaries are, are taxpayer primaries are uh, primary, let me see if this out in a while, primaries are taxpayer-funded, by throwing in extra hoops that you can only vote in a Democrat or Republican primary or to run as a Republican or Democrat in a primary, that to me would be the challenge because there's constitutional issues of political money and, and states and that, that whole nine yards. That's why I prefer open primaries. With that said, however, to the best of my knowledge, there has been no recent challenge. I'd have to go double check, though. Would John Russ be any competition for Jim Banks in reality? He's uh, rich. He, he's, he's got money, so he could... As, as I know, we've got money. You can do almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> he who has the money has the power. Yeah, and Casey, regardless of whether, he, I mean, and, you know, we talked about this before. Everybody should want this guy or somebody to get on the ballot right. because you shouldn't want, as we have seen with Todd Young, when there's no primary competition, what you get. You should want people to have to earn it. I think even you'd agree with that, Abdul. Absolutely. Now, now what's going to be interesting, though, is uh, a gentleman who's running the fifth district, uh, Sid Mahant, I believe is his name. Uh, he doesn't. He resides. I would say he resides in Hamilton County, but is running in the fifth, but hasn't voted in two consecutive Republican primaries. So the question is, does he have to get all the signatures from all the counties in the fifth congressional district, or does he have to get the signature where he resides, which is uh, Hendricks County? So that's that. That's something I'm looking up right now because that's going to be an interesting legal question. Gee, it's almost like the laws are rigged in favor of certain people. He's an author. He's a broadcaster. He's a provocateur. And if the laws rigged in in uh, not in your favor, maybe he could help you as an attorney. The one and only Abdullah Keep Javaz. Thank you, my friend. Hey, we'll fight for you until you run out of money. Then we'll have you take out a payday loan. <laughs> Thanks, Abdul. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. If it won't for my whole dogs and It is 11:36. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Oliver Anthony has released a new song. It's called Brink of War. Did you find it interesting that they began the debate with a question regarding the Oliver Anthony song, Richmond North of Richmond? Yes, and DeSantis got the first question and he totally didn't answer the question. So I'd like to answer the question for him okay. if I could. It, and it, so the debates are a fascinating insight into what just plastic people, the majority of them are. And what I mean by this is 
they are trained, they being the politicians who rise to this level, to respond to code words. So if you listen carefully, they will often not actually answer a question. They will answer something close to whatever the code word they that was relayed to them. Mm-hmm. So they have canned responses to whatever the code word is. And if you they don't have an exact code word, they'll it's like just pick the it's like a like a you know a test in school. Pick the one that is closest to the rest of these. Context clues. Right. And so DeSantis gets that question and he totally didn't answer, you know, it was kind of like, hey, what is this about? Mm-hmm. What, what do you think of this? Why is this guy doing so well? And the answer to the question on why this guy is doing so well and this song is making him $40,000 a day or whatever the number is, is because regular Americans no longer have faith in the institutions that are supposed to protect and defend them. And that is the fault, not just of the Democrats, but also of the Republicans. The frustrations being expressed in that song are not just about Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or Bernie Sanders. They're about the government as a collective, Democrats and Republicans alike, who have turned their back on regular people in favor of policies that promote very rich people who in turn give lots of money to keep those people in public office. By the way, that song got the square on the Hammer and Nigel bingo card, yes. which was Someone Swears. Yeah. Because they did not play a radio edit version of that song. And They can do that. They're on cable. There's a curse word they in there. They can do that. They're on cable. Okay, so we don't have any polling data out, obviously, this early, so quickly past the debate. But what we do know is that Vivek Ramaswamy is surpassing DeSantis in the bookmaker odds now. Oh. They're saying that uh, he, Vivek, has leapfrogged DeSantis and will take the second spot in the Republican primary. Well, we we talked about this numerous times as DeSantis has failed to gain traction that there, being a front runner or a perceived front runner is both a blessing and a curse. The blessing is, hey, you start with an advantage. You start with name ID. You start with the ability to raise, as Jeff Spicoli would say from past times at Ridgemont High, mm-hmm. Buku Dolores. <laughs> the curse of it is that there is a, a level of expectation when it comes to performance that comes with that. And you have seen it many, many times, whether it was, uh, you know, Fred Thompson or uh, Perry or Jeb Bush, that when you don't rise to that level, people will flee you quickly because, well, this is supposed to be the guy and Mm -hmm. he's clearly not living up to whatever irrational standard we've put forward for the person. And DeSantis, while he was never the front runner, was the front runner in terms of the alternative to Trump. Sure. And he has failed to coalesce or build people around that. And I think part of the problem is DeSantis is too much of a rebel and unpredictable to the establishment. And the establishment wants someone that they can predict and they can control. And yes, DeSantis is plastic man. And yes, he has wanted to be in politics from the time he's old enough to tie his shoes. But if you look at the public policy fights he's picked... They are not traditional establishment Republican things. I mean, he has leaned into the culture wars and, and you know, being pro-life. And that, these are not things that the establishment wing of the Republican Party wants to deal with. And I think they've said, we don't want him either. Mm-hmm. So DeSantis is in this weird free fall. The establishment doesn't want him and the Trump people aren't moving off Trump. Well, he's also been in the position where he's got to play defense. And, you know, offense is a lot more fun to play. And I feel like that's what Vivek 
had the opportunity to do. Uh, Vivek was able to play offense because there's still a large portion of the people who don't know him. The problem with Ramaswamy is he has not been vetted yet. Mm -hmm. And the brief vetting people have done, there's all sorts of statements that don't line up. And now they're going to turn on whoever whoever it is that's third or fourth or whatever, they're going to turn the guns on him. And... uh, this happens all the time. Like I said, Herman Cain in 2012, they went through like three or four of these people. It was Herman Cain, and then it was Newt Gingrich, and then even it was Ron Paul was the last man standing. Mm-hmm. You weren't going to tear him apart. He just didn't have the infrastructure or support. But that's what they do. Is the same thing every election cycle. There's front runners. There's risers. There's fallers. It's way too early. I thought DeSantis had a couple of good moments. One was when he was talking about the lockdowns, and he said, as president, I will never let the deep state bureaucrats lock you down. And he he had the quote I would sit Anthony Fauci down and say Anthony you are fired uh, almost stealing a line from Donald Trump Uh, but the other time was when and hopefully we can get to it here he was asked this question about climate change and they were doing this everybody raise your hand yes and I thought okay here we go he's taking control because he said we're not in kindergarten here let's debate this let's really talk about this and he didn't end up answering the question, but he did turn it into an anti-Biden rant saying, you know, Biden was on the beach while people were suffering and he just looks ridiculous. So while he didn't do a great job at actually answering the question, he did do a good job with his diversion of turning it against his real competition, which is Joe Biden, the Democrat Party. Okay. You want to talk Rudy Giuliani? Well, no, just real quick, I want to respond to that because I'm not sure we got time to get into Rudy because we got something big coming up next. But real quick, think about how long it took you to explain what he just did versus if he had just had a zinger in the moment. Yeah. I mean, people are listening to this, they're into it. But most people aren't going to be able to follow that. The, you, people, you have a attention span of a, what you can fit on a napkin. And this is why I don't understand why these guys behave this way. It's like, you are looking for the soundbite. You are looking for the moment. You're 10 billion points behind Trump. What do you have to lose? Oh, people might not like me, or I might get bad publicity. Who cares? <laughs> Got to do something. All right, all right, so when we come back, Donald Rainwater is going to join us. There is a big land grab planned in Arcadia that is really going to impact, destroy, whatever, a longtime legendary family business, and there's a big rally coming up this weekend to try to do something about it. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone. You'd be in paradise and put up a fucking lie. There is a big land grab proposed up in Arcadia, and some people are sick of this government here in the state of Indiana. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. Let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline. You know him, you love him. He was the 2020 Libertarian nominee for Governor Donald Rainwater joins us now. All right, Rainwater, you guys got a big event this, this weekend because there is a huge land grab, business grab, property grab, whatever you want to call it, by the state of Indiana for a mom-and-pop business. People are up in arms up there in Hamilton County about this. What's going on? Absolutely. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Casey. Um, We are going up on Saturday morning. 
uh, in support of the Wilson Farm Market. Mm -hmm. If you have ever driven up uh, US 31 between uh, Westfield and Kokomo, uh, you have seen Wilson's Farm Market. It's located at 1720 East 256th Street in Arcadia. And it is a, I believe, fourth generation uh, family owned small business. Uh, that the uh, uh, state government uh, uh, has decided uh, that uh, they want to uh, speed up uh, supply chain up US 31. Uh, if you live in Hamilton County or travel Hamilton County, you're familiar with the work on uh, 31 and, and 37 to uh, uh Make it easier to get where you want to go faster at so, the expense so, so, of small businesses. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, so basically what the state is saying is we're going to do this project, this generationally owned local business that is beloved by not just people in the community, but people who travel past it. You are in our way, and so we are going to take the quickest path, which is to basically eminent domain your property, get out of our way. Right. And as a matter of fact, there's a uh, 256th Street. They're going to turn it into a cul-de-sac uh, and and block it off so that you cannot get on to US 31 or get off of US 31. And there are a lot of folks concerned about uh, emergency response to the area being uh, significantly slowed down uh, due to that action. But what I'm concerned about is the fact that uh, even though our forefathers made it very clear that uh, one of the foundational pillars of individual liberty is property ownership and that government should not be able to force you to forfeit an asset, um, our state government just doesn't think that's that important. All right, so you're having a big, uh, so you're having a big rally. You're having a big rally on Saturday where people can come support this local business, whether they want to support the business itself or they want to support the idea of government not being able to just take your stuff. Tell us uh, again where it's at, when it's at, and what's going to be happening at the big event. Absolutely, it's at uh, Wilson's Farm Market, seventeen twenty East two hundred and fifty sixth Street in Arcadia. Uh, we'll be there, I believe it is from 11 uh, to 1. Uh, yes, it's from 11 to 1 this Saturday. Uh, and we're going to be rallying in support of Wilson's Farm Market and other small businesses like it. Uh, there are several other along the, the way uh, up US 31 that are going to have a similar fate. Because here again, the government has decided to pay them for the land, pay them for uh, the improvements on the land, but their family-owned small business of of 40-some years – the, the government could care less. Do they have – care less. What is the timeline for them? Uh, I believe that uh, they are probably looking at another six months – uh, at at which time the government will be telling them they have to leave. 
It's very interesting, and we talk about this a lot on this show, about the strong-arming the farmers out of the land in Boone County. And we've heard from the farmers out there who say, look, you can fight it, but a lot of people didn't want to fight it because they thought they were going to lose, and then they lose a fortune in the process and lose the land anyway. This Holcomb administration has a really weird, I don't know if fetish is the right word or not, but taking things that made Indiana great, and that's open land and farm fields and all the things associated with it, and plowing this stuff over and paving paradise and putting up a parking lot. Well, you're not wrong, Rob, and they're they're looking at doing this down uh, in southern Indiana with the Mid-States Corridor as well. Um, I was down visiting uh, some folks in Jasper, Indiana a couple of weeks ago for a, a libertarian um, meeting down there, and there are folks very concerned because uh, uh, there are folks running for governor uh, in 2024, who have a vested interest in making this mid-states corridor happen. And uh, some of the folks down there feel like uh, people don't care what happens to the, the the citizens down there and their property rights as long as this mid-state corridor goes through. Well, we pre- a, a recurring theme. We appreciate you doing what you can. That's Saturday, 11 to 1. That's Wilson's Farmer's Market. Is that r- the name of the place? Is that right? Yes, Wilson Farm Market. Yes, mm-hmm. in Arcadia. So everybody should totally go support you. I'll be cheering for you in spirit. You get to hang out with Rainwater. I don't care what the gas costs to get there. Uh, that is a total bargain to get to hang out with Rainwater for two solid hours. Oh, Casey. I do. We need to do something about the price of gas in the state of Indiana. <laughs> and we need to make sure that our, our, our state government officials know that we will not be satisfied with the excuse that, oh, that's a federal government issue. The state of Indiana can do many things to reduce the price of gasoline in this state. All right. You're the best, Don. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. You guys have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. And thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. And thanks for listening today. That's going to do it for us. You've been listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.